several times um, in the future, I want us to really understand that worship is part of uh, participating, not just spectating. And, and maybe you've been in a situation where you've heard of a responsive reading. And maybe, you're, you're, maybe you come from a tradition that has responsive readings. A responsive reading is for us as a family to declare how good God is and to participate as we worship his great name. So in your, in your app on your phone, uh, for the outline of a service, you're going to see a responsive reading from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 12. You, congregation, the congregation, will be, you'll be reading the bold text. And I'll be reading uh, the, the, the non-bold text. And so I just want us to participate. We're going to sing another song after this. And I want us to just wrap our minds and our hearts around the God that we serve and allow our hearts to be prepared for the message, for the table, and for the testimony that's going to be shared. And uh, so let's, let's go ahead and read and respond and do that together. Okay. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord works righteousness and justice. For all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Let's pray. God in heaven, we set aside this time before the message, before coming to the table, before hearing a testimony. We set aside this time to simply to worship your holy name. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your steadfast love. And we confess that, and we acknowledge that here at this place right now. So would you do something in our hearts to help us not to just hear a message or a testimony, but Lord, would you ignite our hearts to a passionate devotion to you, where we care for one another and love one another, because you first loved us, therefore let us love one another. Lord, as we continue to sing, as we continue to listen, let us participate because you deserve every bit of it. We love you. We pray for our service in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.
was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. Good morning. My name is Paul Rem. I've been up here a couple of times to speak 
One, one was to uh, share that I, that I actually have a genetic lung condition that uh, most people would be on oxygen. Um, me, I can still bike 16 miles on the trail here in less than an hour. I'm doing fantastic. Another time was uh, um, I prayed, we were talking about prayer, and we are talking about big, bold prayers. And I spoke about my son and my daughter-in-law, how I prayed big, bold prayer. I wanted them to get baptized. Skipped the finding the church, skipped everything else, just prayed for that. Well, if it hadn't been for COVID, they had found a church and they'd be baptized. So another praise. So I had one other challenge this, uh, this past June, July. Uh, I have stage three prostate cancer. And I was operated on in the beginning of July. I'm doing fantastic. I'm still biking out there after four weeks, four weeks after surgery, I'm out biking out there doing the same route, doing my golfing, doing everything else. Um, but it was quite a shock for me. And I went through the couple, few, couple weeks probably of um, being angry, being mad, um, relying on Pastor Matt, um, my golf buddy, um, relying on my life group. Some people in my life group, Ed Anderson and Danny Arlborough, came alongside and gave me a lot of encouragement. But uh, I pretty quickly came up with a realization that, hey, God's got this. He, he's already got it worked out. Um, I just, you know, got to give it to him. Man was never meant to have these kinds of burdens. Just give it to God and uh, just be at peace. So people would ask how they could pray for me, and I'd say, you know, just pray that I can use this as a, as a testimony to uh, friends, to, to family, to see how somebody who professes to be a godly man handles adversity like this. And uh, again, I, I approached everything with peace. Uh, friends came alongside of me. One friend, a golf buddy, who he had never talked about God. I don't, you know, he doesn't go to church or anything. And yet, the day after my surgery, he called me. He said, you know, I just want to let you know, I prayed for you. I prayed to God that everything would be okay. So I was, so it was working. People were, were seeing how I was handling this. And um, uh, came alongside me, and, and God gave me the peace and the strength that I needed. So, I mean, and again, everything's working out great with me. Um, but it made me think of the fact that, you know, we're going through some tough times with COVID. And some people really struggle with how to, how to deal with that. And uh, it's the same deal. God's got it. We've never, we've never been able, we've never been meant to carry these types of burdens. If we try to do it on our own, we're just going to, to, to fail. We're going to get depressed. We're going to struggle with it. But uh, again, God's got it. Uh, with me, still got a couple things going on, but uh, my new, my new uh, saying is, well, God's not done yet. I got some punch list items. God's not done. I know he's going to take care of everything, and I know where I, I'm going to have a good outcome. Um, so again, just want to encourage you all. Just remember, you know, God's got it. We just have to be at peace with it and go along. Thanks, Paul. Sure. Love hearing how the family is going through things and then how we're able to process them. So I just um, th thank you, Paul, for that, that great testimony. I, um, life is, is full of commands. 
You know, you got a command. We, we have a command. Clean your room. There's a good command, right? Right, students? Kids, clean your room. Hey, if you ride your bike, put a helmet on. There's a command. If you're going to cross the street, make sure you look both ways. Pass the salt. Put your seatbelt on. Here's my command coming down the mountain of Mount Snow in Vermont, learning how to ski when I was in the 10th grade. Never skied before a day in my life. I went to Mount Snow. I don't know if you've been up there. Mount Snow has a lot of snow. Haha. Uh-huh. Okay. 140 some trails, learning how to snow, learning how to ski. And I was on the bunny slope the day before, and my friend Craig, who's, who we met up there, said, Matt, you're not going to have a lot of fun. Let's just go to the top of the mountain, and let's just, just go. Just point him downhill, and let's go. And I'm like, sure, sounds good to me. <laughs> Except one problem, I'm clumsy, <laughs> real clumsy. And so here was my command as I was pointing my skis downhill and in a tuck like this, as I was, get out of my way. That was my command. Kamikaze coming through, get out of my way. Well, well, here's our text for today. Our text for today is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. And Peter gives two commands. Now, we realize that what he's been doing is talking about this great salvation that we have. And that Ryan talked last week about what story are you speaking to yourself? What story are you telling yourself? And, and, and before we get into all that he did as a reminder in verses 1 through uh, 12, I want to give you our big idea. It's in your app. I want to give you the big idea first. The grace of God is the source of our hope, and the holiness of God is the standard of our holiness. Okay, We'll work through that all the way through the rest of the message in the next couple of minutes. But I'll say it again, the grace of God is the source of our hope, and the holiness of God is the standard of our holiness. So, here comes Peter. Peter has been saying this over and over again. Look at verse 13. He starts off by saying, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, here's the command, don't miss it, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he uses that word, therefore, which refers to everything he had just said, verses 1 through 12, basically as a reminder, like we did last week and like I'm going to do right now. Here's a reminder. I want this to marinate in your soul. I don't want you to forget this. Here it is. God chose you. God caused you to be born again. God gave you an inheritance. God is is your living hope. God secures your salvation. God raised Jesus from the dead. God uses trials to refine us, and God will commend our faith one day when we stand before him. And then he says, because of all that right there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set your mind on the hope that you have. Set your mind fully on the hope, on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's the command. So it's not setting our hope on our works. It is setting our hope on all that he did and all that he, he will do. Now, he also answers in verse 13. He says, here's how you do that. There's two ways that you do that. First and foremost, you prepare your minds for action. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Some translations would say, gird up your loins if you've heard that before. Basically, they would have a tunic. If they were getting ready to run, they would take the tunic 
wrap it up, tuck it into their belt so that they could run faster and, and, and go into action. Equivalent today is roll up your sleeves. Roll up your sleeves and get ready. Here, I want you to set your mind on the hope that is, is ready for you. I, wanna, I want you to set your mind on the hope and in that grace. He also goes on and he says, how, how, do we, how do we fill our mind? First of all, how do we fill our mind? We fill our mind by spending time in that 1 to 12. That he caused us to be born again. That we are elect. That beautiful story right there, 1 through 12. He just keeps bragging and boasting on God. Paul is up here doing what? He is bragging and boasting on Jesus. That's what he's doing. And Peter is sitting there going, hey, in the midst of all you're doing right now, in the midst of all that's happening, what I'm going to do is I'm going to brag and boast on Jesus for 12 chapters, and then I'm going to come into verse 13, 12 verses, and then in verse 13 I'm going to come in, and I'm just going to tell you what I want you to do. I want you to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the, heaven, at, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says to be sober-minded. Obviously the opposite of sober is drunk. Basically, what he wants us to do is he wants our minds to be clear so that we can be able to hear and do the things that we've left, been left here to do. It's don't let your mind drink the things that numb your mind and heart. That, that's, that's the great problem with drunkenness is that what does it do? It distorts reality. It masks reality. And that's, that's not what he's wanting us to do. So he, he wants us to, again, set our set our hope fully on the grace that we brought to us. How do we do that? We prepare our minds to action. Really, in essence, we continually and never cease preaching the gospel to ourselves. We simply keep talking. God, you have elected me. You have, you, you have saved me. You have resurrected Jesus. You've given me this great hope. It's by your power that it is secure. And one day we're going to see it in full revelation of all that it is. Keep doing those things. And then he tells us, all right, hey, don't, don't allow your mind to be corrupted or the reality by, by, um, by, being, by being drunk or being sober-minded, having your minds clear. So again, what's the big idea really quick? Really quick, the big idea, as you can see in your app, is the grace of God is the source of our hope and the holiness of God is the standard of our holiness. Let's go on to verses 14 through 16 and see what we have there. 14 and 16. Let's take a look at that. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So here's the second command. We have the first command. Set your hope fully on the grace of God. Second command is be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. What, what does holiness mean? It means being separated and from what is defective and evil. That's a definition for you. What, what does God ultimately do? Listen, the holiness of God is a declaration that there is no one like God. There is no one like him. He is utterly unique and in a class all by himself. There's no other creator. There's no other sustainer. There is no other final measure of good and evil. It is God, and it's wrapped up in him. And so here is a quote by the one and only theologian in residence, Ryan Simchenko. Are you ready for that? Here's a quote by Ryan Simchenko. The point 
of holiness is not that you are different from the world necessarily, but that you look like God. Let me let that set in for you because it, 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 it affected me greatly this week. So I kept going, be holy, be holy, be different than the world. No, it's not necessarily be different from the world. The, the, the key is that we're like God, that we are image bearers, and that we live that out. And when we do that, when we look like God, when we act like God, when we, we are image bearers of him, then what happens is we will be separate and we will be different. But the goal and the focus is God is our mark. He is the mark. And, and look at verse 14. He goes, so we have the command, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. But then he goes back to really say, this is what I don't want you to be like. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. <laughs> Listen, every single one of us in here realize, wow, that was really dumb. What I used to do before I knew Christ. He's saying, I don't, I don't want you to go back. You chased a lot of things that did not fulfill you. Don't, don't go back. You, you have this, this information here. You have, you have this knowledge of who God is and what God came to do in your life. Be the light you are saved to be in this dark world. You want to know how to live in the dark? He said, set your hope fully on the grace that's available to you. And he says, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Those are our commands. So, so here is, here's, our, here's our big idea. One more time. The grace of God is the source of our hope, and the holiness of God is the standard of our holiness. And, and I want to I basically, before we go into um, our time of, of worshiping through communion, and I, I want to give you really two questions. And, and I want you to think about these two questions. So I really want you to look at the question, what are you setting your hope on? I want you to talk about that with your family this week. What are you setting your hope on? Is it making enough money or is it getting a better job? Is it a political party? Or a political person? Is it a human being's promise? Or is your hope set and fixed on what the scripture teaches to set your hope, what, fully? That means I'm all in. I'm pushing all the chips and I'm all in. I'm putting all my, my cares, I'm putting everything in on you, God, on your grace, on this beautiful inheritance. You have wrecked me because of your grace. Let me tell you, I went to a funeral yesterday. Went to a funeral yesterday. I saw something really cool take place. There was an individual who had passed away. It's tragic situation, 32 years old. He actually um, was, was adopted. And his biological mother came to the service. And as the service was going on, the pastor who was there presented the gospel in a very compelling and very, very neat way. And right there in the middle of the service, the biological mother stood up and said, I'm placing my faith in Jesus. In the middle of the service. Where is your hope? What are you setting your hope on? The text is very clear. Let's set it on the grace of Jesus. Not anything else. And so here, here's another question for you. 
Who are you trying to be like? The text is saying, I want to be holy for the Lord your God and holy. So again, being holy is being set apart. But the key aspect of being holy is, I want to be like God. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to represent him. Remember what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where the, the, the God takes us, or the, the blacksmith takes the metals, and he melts them down to the impurities rise up, and he scrapes off the top and raises it over, and he sees that the impurities have left when he can look and see his reflection. And so here's our command. Our command is, hey, I want you to be an image bearer of the king. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm asking you to just live for him, demonstrate him, show him. I went to China in 2005, October of 2005. We were over there, the city that we were in, the Sichuan province, Minyang was where we were. There were a lot of college students, and the people that we were working with had us over there working with um, college students along the line of like engineers. It was a lot like an NC State type school. And so we would go over and we would meet them up and try to play basketball or ping pong or whatever the case might be. And we showed up to this basketball court that our friend Nathan, who lived over there at the time, he had for us. And so we got over there and there were four of us. Nathan is six foot seven and Jason was six foot four. There's me, six feet tall, my shoes on. That's what I like to say. And there was another guy that was playing with us that was a friend of Nathan's who was actually a local. And we called him Slim. And Slim was... I mean, he was five foot nine and 120 pounds, hopefully. And so the four of us went out on the basketball court and we were playing these other four guys that were students at the school. And we were introducing ourselves. And I said, I'm Matt and he's Nate, he's Slim. And we said, what's your name? And the first guy goes, I'm Kobe. We're all like, as in Kobe Bryant, for you non-sports fans. The next guy goes, I'm, I'm Jordan. My name is Jordan. <laughs> another one goes, I'm Tracy McGrady. And another one said, I'm Yao Ming. Okay, so here's what's going on right now. Yao Ming was the biggest Chinese basketball player at the time. Tracy McGrady was on his team at the time. And so that was all they saw over there. So here it is right now. We're playing basketball. And so my four guys from from Apex, North Carolina, we're playing basketball against Kobe, Jordan, Tracy McGrady, and Yao Ming. <laughs> and so you could definitely say, that's who I want to be like. I want to model my game after these guys. I want to model my game after these because what? They're the best in the world. And here's, here's what the, the question I want to ask you is, who are you trying to be like? Because the text is telling us, be holy. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's who we are to model. That's who we are to be like. And when we are like that, that will give us victory. That will give us um, um, power to live the way that God would have us to live. And so the questions that I want to leave with you is, what are you setting your hope on? And who are you trying to be like? And, and, and what I want to do with this as we move into our time of communion right now is we're going to sing a song. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate the, great, the greatness of God by the elements that he gave to us that we would remember who he is. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. During this song that's being played, there are four tables, high top tables, all over, there's four of them. 
So two on this side and two on this side. What's going to take place is one member of your family group is going to go to the table and you're going to get the amount of cups that you need to, to serve your family, to give out to your family. These are pre-packaged communion cups that have the wafer on top and the juice second. During this song, I'm going to ask one member to go over to the table to get, don't make long, really long lines. Okay, we've got about four or five minutes during this song to make sure that we get all of the elements and be able to, to be able to, to take them in just a minute. So during the song, you're going to go get the elements. When the song is over, I'm going to come back up and then we're going to worship Jesus by taking and remembering the body that was given to us and the, the cup that represents that we, listen, we Northwest have forgiveness of sins that we can be forgiven, that we have been forgiven. And I would also encourage you, if, if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd love to talk to you about what that means. We'd also ask you not to come to the table. The, the, the elements for the table are for believers to remember who Jesus is. And maybe perhaps there's just some things going on in your life and we simply don't want to encourage you to, to take the elements in an unworthy manner. The scripture teaches against that. And so we just ask you to maybe use the time while we're going through communion to just use that time to pray. Because God hears you. To pray. To confess. To repent. To worship. To read scripture. I want to give you the freedom to do that as you, you, you can. You have that time to do that. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to have you stand up. The band is going to play the song. The tables are manned. You're going to tell the person at the table how many cups you need, and they're going to give you that amount of cups. Go back to your tables. Go back to your, your chairs and pass out the elements, and then we'll take them together. Okay, let me pray for us. God in heaven, I want to thank you for our text this morning. I want to thank you for this beautiful command, these beautiful commands to set our hope fully. God, Help us not to just be in half-hearted. Let us be in with everything we've got. Help us to recognize that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is you. It's not in a political party or a candidate or a better job or more money. It's not in a human being's promises. It is based off of your grace that has been shown to us and given to us. That is our hope. Help us to fix our eyes on that. And God, we desire today to be like you. You are the model. You are the standard. Your grace, your grace is the source of our hope and the holiness of you, God, is the standard of our holiness. So let us, in just a few minutes, take the elements that remind us of your grace and remind us of your holiness. We sing to worship you. So hear our voices as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.